Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume four, issue 186. You can play along with us, and Cane and Rinse volume four, our next five podcasts will include the games Bully, uh, or Carnis Carnum Edit, the Geometry Wars series after that, Halo 3 ODST continues our Halo opus. Following that, it is Dark Souls 2 and the Scholar of the First Sin version, of course. And after that, should be an interesting one. You're a goal-scoring superstar hero. It's a sensible soccer series, including Sensible World of Soccer and so on and so forth. Head to canarince.com for the schedule up until the end of this volume in the autumn, as well as, of course, our wonderful blog with articles, reviews and other features on it, links to our forum, uh, busy and friendly forum, our Facebook page and our YouTube channel full of uh, videos about the games we cover and more. And also you can check out our shop or online merchandise store. You can support us and the podcast by buying quality, stylish, geek chic, cane rinse t-shirts and handy dandy man bags and lady bags. NB, they are the same, the man bags and the lady bags. <laughs> they are non-gender specific. So, uh, yes, check those out. Thank you very much. And also check out our uh, Sound of Play podcast, which is all about our love of video games music. You can uh, review, rate, and most importantly, subscribe to both of the podcasts on iTunes. You can also find us on Stitcher Radio, or you can just listen on the uh, website. Now, joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, it's Tony Atkins. Hello. And James Carter. Hi. And we are talking in this issue about Valiant Hearts, the Great War. And uh, here is up front your spoiler warning. Uh, not the spoiler warning that uh, Germany and the Central Powers lost. You know that, presumably. Although, you know, sometimes they do those vox pops on, with people in the street and they seem to not have a clue <laughs> about anything. Uh, but this uh, game is actually a, a quite an intimate tale about uh, a group of people whose stories intertwine throughout the, the course of the First World War. And, uh, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about what happens uh, in there and, and at the end. Um, and specifically, some of our three-word reviewers and so on uh, have, have focused on, on, the, uh, on the culmination of the story. So this is by Ubisoft Montpellier. That's Ubisoft. I'm going to be really try to be really careful. I've for many years I've said Ubisoft because I thought that's what it was because it was from France. I remember Ubisoft first appearing in my pages of CMVG about 30 years ago, and I just thought, oh, it's French, so it's Ubisoft. But no, apparently it is ubiquitous software, hence Ubisoft. So I'm going to try really hard, but please forgive us because it's the sort of thing I'd be a stickler for myself <laughs> if I hadn't been doing it wrong for years and years and years. Um, obviously, therefore, published by Ubisoft. Apparently, Michel Ansel had uh, some uh, initial um, something to do with with this game actually coming into being. Uh, he of uh, Beyond Good and Evil and Rayman fame, but apparently, it most uh, most of this project stems out of the artwork of Paul Tumelier, who was uh, drawing uh, concept art for these uh, UB art projects. And uh, for whatever reason, I don't know, but he was drawing some uh, First World War characters and uh, and it was it was decided that this would be picked up and made into one of these, um, these games that used this wonderful uh, engine of theirs. Uh, so the game came out. I, I remember. I think it was was it. It was shown at E3 sort of was, very yeah. soon before it came out. Is that right? Yeah, E3 like, 2014. Yeah, last year. Yeah, and then it came out just months later. Um, uh, weeks later, in fact. Weeks later. Two okay. three weeks. Yeah. And that was kind of the first 
we'd seen of it, and then it was and then it was pretty much upon us. I think it was officially uh, announced at uh, an an not uh, Ubisoft, um, yeah, kind of event the previous September. But there was some brief details about it, and I think okay. by sort of May, some sites were reporting on when the release date was going to be. But certainly, yeah, just as you said, I didn't know a thing about this game until E three. Yes, and I remember um, I tried to avoid uh, watching the E3 conferences, but occasionally, which I regret even more, I dip into Twitter during the E3 conferences, which is probably actually even more of a miserable experience than actually watching the conferences. But I remember people actually being quite positive about the the video showing of this game. Um, so yes, came out on uh, both uh, last gen and current gen consoles, as well as uh, PC, and has since been um, ported over successfully, as I understand, to iOS and Android. Uh, and it came out uh, between June and September 2014. And a note here is that it this was uh, released uh, just a few days shy of the centenary of the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand, uh, which of course was the instigator of that. Uh, that terrible conflict. The reviews overall were in the uh, the positive bracket, um, without uh, you know setting the world on fire. This was not a game that necessarily uh, were you know was getting nines and tens here and there, but it averages a, a good seven and a half to eight. Uh, or you know, seventy-five to eighty percent. Although I noticed that the iOS version, according to Game Rankings, from uh, somewhat fewer reviews, is actually is, is nuzzling nearer ninety. So perhaps, um, perhaps it's one of those things where it impresses more on a platform like that in some ways. And I imagine uh, the way this game looks, I imagine it looks pretty splendid mm. on, say, an iPad. Uh, it, I imagine these sorts of very um, intricate and lush 2d cartoon quality graphics would work well on a sort of retina screen and, and the gameplay um, as well uh, true to, yeah, to be fair is, uh, certain sections of it especially would be perfectly suited to a touch screen it's not twitch yeah. gameplay as it's a it translates well you can easily see generally you know, not i guess dragging yeah dragging and pointing mm. and clicking yeah, yeah yeah obviously we'll get into that so james mm. did you uh were you excited enough by the e3 showing to buy this straight away or did you come to it more recently no, exactly. As you just said, uh, the E3 showing just grabbed me uh, for the way the game looked, the setting, the fact that it was a, a centenary. You know, it was the start of you know the past couple of years. We've seen a lot of um, centenary events marking you know First World War and that kind of thing, and, and it just it grabbed my attention for so many reasons at that E3 showing. And so, two three weeks later, the end of of June two thousand fourteen. I uh, I grabbed this. I'd, I'd recently got a PS4 at that point, and so this was just a no-brainer for something to play on that new system. So yeah, just as you say, grabbed it day one as a result of that. And uh, it takes, I'd say, around five hours to play through. Um, yeah, something like that. I think four I chapters, a couple of settings. Uh, settings sorry. Yeah, and there's uh, there there are various. Uh, collectibles and things that you can uh, extend your play experience with it has a chapter select so you can go back in and pick up things you missed and mm-hmm. go for trophies and, and achievements or whatever else tony did you get this at the time um not at the time uh i did know about it of course was excited about the concept i do like ubi art stuff um i think it has a, a slightly uh, slightly more indie an indie feel to a fairly major studio, or say fairly major, major studio stroke publisher. They're right up the top, aren't they? Really, but um, 
I it was one of these ones where I, I, I picked it up and then just didn't get around to playing it for, for quite a long time, um, only completing it this week or the week just gone. So certainly didn't play it at the time, but it's one of those classic ones where interesting enough to buy it, but having the time, even though it's a short game, just didn't get around to until I knew we had this uh, this show coming up and then wanted to do it fresh in my mind. Uh, so left it until this week. So only recently, I'm afraid. And which format did you play it on? Uh, Xbox One. Right. I imagine there's virtually no difference between any of the uh, any of the versions yeah. in terms of um, performance and looks. Having seen Rayman Legends running on uh, four or five different systems, um, the game looks equally splendid on uh, yeah. on all of them, last and and current gen. Um, but of course, uh, anyone who did buy the game, as as I found with Transistor recently. It's that it's that uh, modern malaise, not really much of a difficult thing to live with. But of course, you played it after you were given it free on PlayStation Plus, even <laughs> though you paid money for it. So uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, happens a lot. Um, yeah, I, I actually uh, was interested in getting this for quite some time after it came out, but mm. uh, didn't get round to it until uh, we decided to make this podcast and they gave it away with PS Plus. So I didn't pay for it. Hurrah. Not Not more than my... PlayStation Plus uh, subscription anyway. So, yes, I've just played it in the last week and we are recording in the middle of July uh, 2015. So the game is around about a year old. So the game is set in World War One, and we open up in Belgium. Is that right? Or is it actually in France? Uh, no, it's in France, yeah. It's, it's France. It is in the France. Okay. Of France, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, we are on Emile's farm. Uh, with uh, he and his uh, uh, son-in-law, Carl, um, and his daughter, Marie. Is that right? That's correct, yes. Yep. Getting yep. the names right, yep. okay. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, to cut a long story short, um, although feel free to go into to this in more depth, if you will, um, both Carl, Carl, has, Carl is deported, as are all Germans, um, once war is announced. Um, and he has to go back and fight for Germany, taken away from his family. Um, and Emil, because everyone was conscripted between the ages of 20 and 48, he has to go and mm. serve uh, the Allies rather than the, the Germany and the Central Forces. Um, so this opens up our story. Um, oh, what were your first impressions, folks? I, I thought not only the, the setting being first world war which even amongst the you know the the first person shooter rash of historical war settings hasn't really come up that much outside no. of maybe strategy games i guess would be one where first world war has come up or rather the great war i should say um yeah i think the nature of combat in the first world war sure. just hasn't lent itself to yeah, yeah to, to shooters uh, yeah. to first person shooters and the weapons as well yeah yeah definitely um so that that struck me immediately but then to start off with what was clearly an incredibly personal tale and to have two people from the same family be on opposite sides of of this conflict just immediately it just sucks you in because it's an interesting setup it, to me at least um yeah it just grabbed me from the off I thought it was uh, immediately engaging and uh, immediately made you care about characters, partly because of the way they're drawn and, and the way that they are represented with not being voiced, but having that kind of... They, I mean, they do they make sounds, but it's almost... 
yeah similar to kind of unintelligible mm. for the most know. part uh, yeah, uh, yeah emil does have some lines um and uh, and there's a there's a narrator by the name of uh, Dave Pettit, yeah. who is a Canadian actor, but I think he's pretty much doing an American voice for the for the voiceover, um, which I I felt was a little felt weird in a in a game that was set uh, very much in and around Europe. I know there is an American character who comes into it, uh, yeah, Emile's yeah. friend Freddie, who uh, who signed up for the Allies um, as a few Americans did back in uh, the start of the First World War. Mm. Um, but I'm not sure why a French studio went with a, with an American voiceover for a game set around me. It's, um, it's, quite, it's an odd one. Yeah. It's, it's quite interesting because my first impression of the game, other than being you know, taken by the, the art design, you know, straight from the off, it felt like a very personal game to Ubisoft um, in the way that, to say it feels quite French... I don't want to come as callous as that, but it it feels quite a personal game to the studio. This doesn't just come out of like, you know, I, I can't see maybe EA taking a fairly bold risk and, and making something like this. It, it feels very much, it was a personal project. It kind of, for whatever reason, got the green light and that there was um, a lot of faith behind the, behind the project to get it out and then get it out to these major platforms mm. and not just, you know, have a, a silent PC release kind of thing. Like the, it was a story that Ubisoft wanted to tell and they have the power to do so. And that's what struck me straight away from this thing was that it felt like, yes, okay, we're in for a really interesting tale that is, you know, it's set, you know, majority within the kind of the, the French um, aspect of it, because, you know, that's clearly the people making and designing this. This is, you know, their story kind of where it comes from. So, yeah, it's got a an American, um, uh, is it Freddy? That's, that's it. That's yeah. in it. And it's almost to, it almost feels a bit like, well, we need to keep, um, you know, some of some of the audience from um, stateside entertained. And, and maybe this is a token character. Um, maybe that's a little bit harsh. He gets to drive the tank. Yeah, maybe it, it just feels like maybe he's a convenience character a little bit. But it to me straight away it felt very much like it was a um, a project that you know, Ubisoft got off from the ground purely through their own. You know, they they are the publisher. They can make something like this. They can put this out for mass distribution, and they then just hope that it gets picked up and people play it. And and that's that's a powerful message to take straight away from the beginning of a game. We know, without going into the industry or publishing machinations, we know that Ubisoft are um, they are doing this now. They are making mm. these these uh, games that are downloadable, chiefly, um, and mm. perhaps have uh, a slightly uh, more left field aesthetic or or, or something stylized. Um, they're not necessarily as mainstream as their as their big studio titles, um, but they are giving them. They are giving them promotion and credence, even though, you know, Child of Light is is the other is the other big one so far. Um, even though obviously the the production budgets are going to be considerably lower than something like an Assassin's Creed sequel, actually the production values are are uh, impeccable in in this yeah. game. I would say, yeah. like there are. For, we've already sort of said about well that you know the gameplay is simple in in that it could work it could work on a touch screen it could work on a. Um, it, it, you know, it's it's effectively a two D game. It's got point and click elements and some uh, some ballistics in it, and a, and, a, and a bit of action when you take control of the tank and the car. But um, but everything just works, and there's certainly no yeah. um, 
there's no uh, sort of none of the major issues you, you'd get. Well, people have experience with recent large releases from the same uh, mm. company, the same publisher. And obviously there are reasons for that. But it also just seems like based on my experiences with uh, Child of Light, the Rayman uh, games and this is that this is just one of the most um pristine engines that you can work in um i'm not not taking anything away from the individual people who work on these games but you know whether whether we'll obviously go on to talk about whether we liked the gameplay whether we liked the story and and what this game was trying to do i think in terms of production values i just i can't fault it really in any way yeah no absolutely um i think it's safe to say that about all the UbiArt games and uh, when Rayman Origins first came out, that was kind of the big sort of trumpet for UbiArt as a, a platform that was going to be used internally by projects that, that suited this slightly more uh, artistic, I guess, well, from presentation of a game of UBR, um, I believe it was given to pretty much everybody with inside the studio to mess around mm-hmm. with. So it, it sounds like it's quite an easy platform just to implement ideas. Um, yeah. And I know a, a lot of these games are coming out from, you know, people, you know, lower, even lower developers within the studio have had access to it, creating, you know, just a small something within the tech and then presenting it. It's, it seems like it's pretty quick and easy to get stuff up into that, mm. into that platform. I'm not sure if Valiant Hearts came from that, but I know that has been said. Sounds like it did. Yeah, yeah. From, the, from what I've read and and the videos I've watched. Yeah, um, I think the the other thing is Michelle Onsell was was given the time, along with obviously a large number of other people. I don't want to suggest it was just him to create this engine. It was when Raymond Origins came out. It was touted as something that they had put years of work into getting right. Mm-hmm. And what that tends to mean when a large amount of time is put into a developer tool like this is hopefully that it works incredibly well and is ho- hopefully doesn't put barriers up to people who want to make games. Um, and just as you said, Tony, the, the directors of this game have spoken about the fact that a lot of their inspiration came from family heirlooms that they have, postcards and and dog tags from their great grandfathers and you know people of that sort of distance back in their in their family tree um and that that's exactly what this is for several of the people who were you know directing this this project you know at a fairly high level it was a very personal project and i think yeah that absolutely comes through um, yeah and they also brought in uh real life historians um mm-hmm. Editors of historical publications to sort of ratify everything they were doing. So yeah. even though you've got this uh, this cartoony kind of art style, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of actual uh, fact going into the scenarios as well. Now, I want to get on to uh, yeah the sort of the puzzle and action sequences separately, but um, but in terms of the the scenarios that happen, the the, the characters find themselves in the different battles. Um, the different items they use uh, it, it's all it's all been you know um, co- corroborated as being mm. historically sound yeah and and actually F- Freddie as a character is corroborated as being historically sound because he was one that in one of the videos you kindly uh, referred me to Leon he was uh, 
derived from a real life individual. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, absolutely. I, I get what you mean, Tony. You know, was he put in, albeit based on a real person, but was he put in to diversify from a Eurocentric cast otherwise? Um, but what mm. I would say is that they'd already taken the step to include French characters and German characters, so both sides of the conflict, uh, but also Belgian characters who'd been dragged into mm-hmm. this by proximity, certainly. And in Freddy's case, they they go into his his backstory within the game and why he's why he feels so strongly about this. And obviously, the game is set in the pre-American intervention in, in or entrance into the war. Um, but what it does give it towards the end is this feeling of, and actually the last scene of the game before the credits roll, is is Freddy, you know, welcoming America into mm. the, the, the conflict. Um, what I would say about the, the voiceover, I agree, it is strange to have an American voiceover on a game mm. that predominantly focuses on a European setting, European characters, and what, we would think of having learned about it in in school and from from our own um family it feels like a documentary mm-hmm. maybe that's why having an american voiceover actually fits because you, you know what i mean it's it's an external it, it makes it an external point of view on something that all we, you know personal stories um and presents it in that almost documentary style where it's obvious that this person wasn't there documenting this at the time because of their their voice and in the fact that doesn't really fit all that well. Mm. I'm I'm reaching obviously. I'm supposing an no, awful lot fair. there on the intent, it's but fair, it's just just how it felt to me. It didn't feel oh, necessarily all that jarring. Also, I don't want to belittle Americans uh, America's sacrifice to the to World War One no, no, if it exactly, came across yeah. like that. But it, you know, tonally, this feels very much um, yeah. a, a European yeah. game. Um, and yeah, it's how do you present that maybe to a uh, a wider population that I think this this conflict is shamefully a forgotten conflict. Um, you know, if certainly I, I, I wouldn't know go that, that far. Well, no, even but it's perhaps, but even it's within perhaps school, less it's, well remembered it's, than um, the more recent one. Yeah, I, I think it doesn't, ones, often, yeah. doesn't often help because you know there's nobody still really alive that's left from no. it. So the stories, you know, World War Two, it's even becoming that point now. And there's less footage, yeah. Um, so that it's 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 much easier for for the History Channel or whatever to make uh, you know full coloured mm-hmm. programs about the Second World War. There's you know there were a lot more uh, cameras there basically and stuff. Yeah. But there is yeah. you know there is there is footage. It's used. I mean, the, although there's not movie footage, there's there are photographs. Some mm. uh, well, I, in in the game. I would also stuff. say, and, and the game does a very good job of this. You know, pictures can tell you a thousand words as well as statistics. Yeah. You know, some of the statistics that are brought up within this game, you, know, you, you don't need to have been there. You don't need to have seen you know, footage to know that you know seven hundred thousand people dying in one battle is a you know a, a pretty terrible thing and a horrific thing. And you know if anything, the game struggles to actually convey how bad yeah, this, this war particularly was. Um, <laughs> and it has to do yeah. it through text and images, etc. Well, this is, yeah, this is the next thing I want to talk about. So obviously the, one of the first things that strikes you is the art style. Now, mm. I like it very much in itself. 
and it reminds me that it reminds me weirdly it, it's like a cross between uh, the triplets of Belleville and Waltz mm. with Bashir um so <laughs> obviously uh, the triplets of Belleville is also it's known as Belleville Rendezvous which is a very uh, a very French cartoon indeed uh, yeah. but Waltz with Bashir is a, is a 2008 film about the Lebanon uh, invasion in 1982 it's a, it's an astonishing animation um probably not that widely seen um but yeah i found it you know it's 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 difficult to watch it's dark and it's it's about another horrible conflict albeit uh you know a less globe globe spanning one um but it the the overall vibe uh felt like that the there's a there's obviously there's a long tradition of um using stylized art to depict um darker events difficult events there's nothing uh, in in itself i have no problem with with there being a cartoony looking game because it goes back to think about um you know satirical cartoons of war events or things like that or you know all the way up to grave of the fireflies and and so on mm. but um but i just felt like it almost kind of touching on what tony said there um, I think at times, although I think the art is absolutely lovely in itself and is great for telling the story of the characters, I think it it does struggle to actually um, give the full horror of the First World War. And in fact, I found myself thinking at points that the original Metal Slug, the first one before it kind of went <laughs> crazy and ridiculous with octopuses from space and whatever, the first Metal Slug was was a side-on 2D game. And that, although it was perhaps more comical than uh, Valiant Hearts, it was a, a more uh, a more kind of visceral and horrific take on on side-scrolling warfare. Now, m- maybe that's not the best comparison in some ways but it but it crossed my mind so i felt i had to say it I, um so yeah how did you feel about the the, the style and the look I th- it's very hard to answer that question without covering pretty much all aspects of the game because i think it bleeds into well my fine, overall go for it. opinion what you but want to say. i shall i shall cover the yeah the visual look anyway that i i think it's anybody that's played the game will probably understand this i think the the background information says more than the foreground character information but that i mean mm. um you know when you start off in france it's you know it's color palette is bright it's colorful um you know golden were, meadows golden meadows sunsets. they're in a cornfield it's you know it's whimsical it's lovely um and then obviously the outbreak of war and i i guess at its at its worse um for, per, for presenting the conflict is is where you're in um, the trenches, and in yeah. in the background, there's you know shrapnel fire going over the top. There's um, you know characters falling into the death as you know fire rains from gun emplacements, um, and you've got the very deep dark because it feels very hand drawn at times. Um, you've got the very deep dark color palette where you know, you have bomb hole trenches, etc., that really do jump off the screen. Um, but to counteract that, I think um, the characters, the main characters within the screen, never really sold the story to me. Um, once again, this bleeds maybe into a more opinion. The game at times it, it veers between comic hilarity and um, very serious, <laughs> poignant death scenes, um, and it it doesn't to me it doesn't quite you know straddle that line. Um, mm. And I think that kind of bleeds in into a little bit with the characters themselves. Yeah, they can be kind of... Oh, I know they had to describe the big, you know, almost slack jaw kind of animation of 
you know, expressing something far too much when you come to the, you know, the pseudo boss fights at the end, etc. There's a bit of hilarity in, in those. James, any thoughts on this? Tonally, this game in terms of its its art, but also in terms of gameplay sections and in terms of the humour, it, it does try to present. This is a deliberate choice, clearly. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one thing to point out is it may not work for some people in terms of the way it's drawn or in terms of the things you are doing, some of the musical sections, etc. That might not work in terms of the tone. It might feel jarring, but it's clearly a deliberate choice. Um on behalf of of the directors in the studio. And, and I understand why they chose to go with what is a... They refer to it a lot as a, as a comic book style. It's It looks hand-drawn. There is mm. a, almost an aspect of paper craft to it in the way that the characters move because they are very flat to the representations. There's no... Um, there's very little effort to make it look like three, 3D rendered characters presented mm. in a 2D fashion or anything like that. It's very flat 2D uh, representation. Um, I, I think to, to bring a counterpoint to what you guys have, have said would be, imagine if they tried to do this in a photorealistic way, like you would see in a very high budget first person shooter style game, but tried to then keep it in a, um, in, in a 2D fairly simplistic perhaps old school style gameplay scenario i'm not sure that works either i think Mm. either you end up with an uncanny valley where it looks like a misrepresentation somehow Mm -hmm. of something that's supposed to be real life or it makes the tone of it seem potentially as jarring but just in a different direction um, yeah, and I think doing doing some of the the actual gameplay actions that you had to do, like running around changing costumes and nicking bits of bread and wine, and yeah, and, would seem and, very uh, strange. Pipes together. If you yeah. had that with realistic graphics, it, no, no. And but maybe that's uh, maybe that's a point that maybe you know some of those tasks that you're asked to do are a little bit kind of it, it yeah. does belittle the the situation. Um, and and this is what Tony was talking about in terms of yeah. the art kind of bleeding into the discussion about gameplay, etc. Because yeah. yeah, there are sequences you will play through that you think, "Hang on, isn't this kind of just it is farce? It's farcical comedy." Um, I think the the fact that the story they're trying to tell is a personal tragedy, not necessarily a representation of the war as a whole and the tragedy of that, but a personal tragedy um, meant that they're going for almost a comedy tragedy, that sort of type of farcical comedy from it's almost a play. Yeah, that it's... era, like Charlie Chaplin type stuff, mm. uh, almost at times. Um, and yeah, a play is a perfect way to put it. It's, it's the, a representation of war that you would see on a stage that needs to simultaneously be, you know, potentially uplifting and and bearable without, you know, without well, being okay, too well, much to take. Well, let me phrase this another way. You know, I I think you know visually the game is stunning at times, and um, when it can be slightly more whimsical and playful with its characters, um, some of the best scenes actually in the game are when it does things like you're you're hiding from. Um, emplacement, you know, gun emplacement's nest. Yeah, yeah. And there's a great scene where you hide behind a set of sheep and the sheep start walking across the, the screen and you're almost in pretending to be a sheep along with them. Um, yeah. yeah, kind of 
daft, but it makes sense within the context of that. Mm. Um, and and that, that works really well. Even um, to the point of, you know, to say the, the more gravitas stuff, you know, running from gunfire or running from, um, you know, bombs dropping from the sky and you're seeing shadows on the ground, all that's presented very well. Even, you know, how, how better way can you present, um, you know, the trenches being filled with gas? I mean, it, it does, I think it does a splendid job of conveying that to um, the player. You know, it's, it's simple, you know, um, slightly off the yellow gas, which is chlorine mustard gas. gas. Yeah, mustard gas, chlorine, chlorine gas, gas. At, at at the time, yeah. and yeah. you know that stuff all works. You walk into it, you die. So, I, mm. you know, visually, I, I don't think the game is at fault at all. I think it, it handles a lot yeah. of the more serious stuff and the more comedic stuff um, fairly aplombed with what it's been given. Um, I would, it, I would not want to see that in in a realistic um, setting. I think it, it would no, add no. very, very little and cost far more. I mean, the, it quite um, quite obviously and apparently um, gets progressively. Things get progressively worse, you know, mm-hmm. from yeah. Yeah. Um, from starting on the farm. Then you're at the train station, which is still, you know, it hasn't been bombed. It's a it's a it's a lovely, quaint 1910s uh, train station, and so on, and, until you know you end up going through uh, winter in the snow. But by the end, you, yeah, you're just you you are in just heaps of mud and chlorine gas and explosions yeah. and crawling over bodies. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but it is st- still all very cartoony. There, there's um, you know they they do bring some blood into it later on, um, and uh, obviously one of the characters you control is uh, Anna is only uh, able to she's a nurse character, mm-hmm. um, so her each character has a, a way of interacting with the world or ways, um, but her way is um, mostly built around um, rescuing people, which is great, obviously, but. But again, you've got this um, this situation where you're doing this, you know, this life and death stuff in in these most dire of circumstances. But it's reduced to a kind of rhythm action, mm. uh, quick yeah. time event. <laughs> Do yeah. you sort of cool. think? Wh- whilst this... the person is kind of um, yeah. clearly in paroxysms of pain and yeah. on death's doorstep, particularly the the last one of those you do because. It's a character yeah. that you've played throughout the game and you have a very personal stake in surviving whilst his wife and child are stood right next to him, you know? Yeah, and, and, it's, the and hardest, then it's the hardest one too, so... It's, yeah, and you uh, have to run off through the hospital and kind of yeah. find a med pack, which is kind of a bizarre thing. I, yeah. su- I suppose the thing I wanted to say about the humour from my, my point of view is it, it reminded me of... Um, uh, there's an old Amiga game called North and South, which is by another French studio called Le Riciel. And it was based on a comic strip based on the American Civil War. Mm-hmm. And uh, and again, it had really, you know, it was the American Civil War, obviously not a particularly, uh, you know, was uh, a, 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 a horrific in its own ways. Um, but this was a, this is a comedy game based around a comedy cartoon strip. And, and I, I was okay with that for the most part. And I think, I mean, I was the. I think the driving into the screen, Mickey Mania style car uh, stages, which are a rhythm action in the same way that the yeah. musical stages in Rayman Legends are rhythm action, in that the action plays out to the tunes of things like uh, the, the the piece of music that we all know as the Can Can, mm. um, and that famous piece of chase music, which I can never remember actually what piece of classical music it is, but you know it if you hear it. Um, and and like again, you know, the controls are really sharp, and and the action is. Um, it's it's clear and it's well presented and it, and it's playable to use that word, but it it does sometimes feel a little bit bizarre. But I think mm. overall my take as, take on it is that 
they although they did a lot with humor that may have seemed slightly inappropriate at times i would rather that than what the thing they managed to avoid i think was were the two things that i would have a bigger problem with personally speaking which were mawkishness uh or schmaltz and the glorification of of the war and i think i don't know about for you two but i think they generally um mostly managed to avoid those two things which would have been severe pitfalls for me yeah yeah definitely i i wonder if so so part of the the um the game that we're going to come to later on is kind of the moments where you get direct information given to you, factual information, uh, often with a, a photograph or, you know, that kind of thing, um, about the war. And so what you've got is this very real depiction of, say, an, an explanation of, say, mustard gas, chlorine gas being used. And it feels sometimes like the gameplay is a little bit you running around with a tennis bat, batting away grenades or something like that. It's, it doesn't <laughs> do that, but it feels like that sometimes because yeah. it's kind run of... around with a ladle for quite a large period of time. <laughs> and, I, and I quite like this. This is a war game that you play for five hours and never fire a gun, which I think is quite yeah. quite deliberate. Yeah. Um, so there's, there is kind of that almost ridiculous juxtaposition where it is presented almost as part documentary, you know, based on fact etc um what what i would say and this is complete hearsay because i can't think of an actual example of a documentary i've watched but you do hear anecdotally when people talk talk about war often it it is punctuated with moments of levity or presented Absolutely. as being punctuated with moments how of people levity. deal with things exactly mm-hmm. because you can't you can't mentally cope with it if you don't have some sense of hope and that can be an inappropriate uh moment of humor or seemingly inappropriate you know taken out of context um or not put into the proper context i should say um and and that goes for for people nowadays doing jobs that you know many people would look at and say how do you cope with that well the answer is you do what you need to to cope with it and to an outsider it could look inappropriate and so completely there are there are moments where you you hear about sort of war stories where um, there are moments of great uh, bravery, great honour, but also moments where actually the thing you needed to do to survive was just step away from the fact that you were at war and mm. your friends were dying around you, etc. Um, and and try and find the humour in it or, you know, the ridiculousness of some of these situations that are actually quite horrific, especially that end sequence where you have a commanding officer who is just sending people to slaughter there's no there's no way two um, ways about it um and actually stepping back from what is happening that that's a man in a ridiculous situation making ridiculous choices what he's actually doing is horrific but looking at that person that that person is is a bad manager it's someone we may have worked with you know in in our day to day jobs making stupid decisions that just For sure. you know beg belief yeah don't and, don't and, lead to the, the end of life in that context exactly, yeah exactly yeah, and that's the difference um but yeah i just wondered if maybe the fact that you had these well, photos and facts presented alongside the way that the gameplay and the way that the art looks maybe causes well, that my, to my my take on this is i i hmm. do think it's a, a calculated choice um i don't think ubisoft have just you know, come across this and said, well, let's add a little bit of light humour in it. I think, you know, it's a hard enough sell a game like this um, 
based on a you know a, a conflict that you know isn't really representative necessarily in games too much. Um, and I'd have to say, you know, my favourite parts of the game are the back half of the game, the last couple of chapters, where I think it it leads a lot of the, the you know the slapstick stuff mm. to one side and actually concentrates on the conflict and the war and all the character threads start coming together. And the game does feel like it has, you know, a lot of levity to it. Um, yet the, the the front, you know, the more kind of <laughs> whimsical is entirely the wrong word, but the, the more easier um, going first half of the, the game, um, mm. you know, a lot, a lot of it to me is actually forgettable. And I, I only played it, you know, a week or so ago. Um, yeah. But, I, you know, I can see Ubisoft sitting there. Um, maybe they had a version of this game which was all levity and wasn't particularly fun to play. And and here's here's the problem, I guess, with a game like this having to, or a game within this medium. It, it's you know can can it tackle um, conflicts like this head on and have the serious nature of maybe what it deserves, whilst still being um, a fun gameplay experience. If that makes sense, without it being fun. It's you know, it's a hard question to tackle, and, I, and I'm not sure. I mean, I, I what I would have maybe liked to have seen is them to maybe tackle it absolutely head on and say, look, this is the thing we want to tell, we want mm. to you know discuss how horrendous this conflict is, and we'll we'll still do it in the graphical style, which you know is easy for the the player to understand. But more often than not, what I I found it coming down to is like, okay. So the mustard gas is a very bad thing, and they'll give you the documentation of how many people die from it. Um, one of the actual great pieces of documents that come from it was that because you know they weren't ready for it, um, and no gas masks were available at that time um, before they were later introduced, is that they they worked out that if they they had urine-soaked handkerchiefs and they put it over their faces, it would actually neutralise a lot of the the harmful elements of the chlorine gas. Brilliant, you know stuff like that. Utterly yeah. fascinating, um, but then again, what do they do normally when you come to a, one of those scenes? It's well, you either break a window to let out some of the gas, or you do a a, a weird um, pipe puzzle um, section. Yeah. So yeah. you're trying to make you know a, a machine work so it pumps the gas out of the the lower um, trenches, and then you you can blow the machine. It, it's to me, it doesn't quite find that balance of okay, this is a very bad thing, but we need still need to have a gameplay based around this subject matter. So let's make a fun pipe puzzle yeah. game. Yeah. Um, and it seems at times a little bit jarring, um, mm. but I'm I'm not sure what that gameplay could have been if you didn't have those segments there. At that point, it turns into a factual, all but film. So. Yeah, so as I say, you never shoot a gun. There's virtually no... Mm-hmm. You, you're never really involved in combat. Um, and, I, and again, I think that's deliberate. I mean, you, you beat mm-hmm. some people over the head. You do end up in a tank, to be fair, and you end up launching some rockets and stuff. But in terms of uh, actually running into the battlefield, you, you're normally armed with a spoon or a spade or some wire cutters or you know something yeah, like this, yeah. um, rather than, you know, you, you're not asked to bayonet people, um, which, you know, maybe that would have been interesting in its own way, but I, I guess they didn't feel it was right for, for the game for whatever reason. Mm. 
But the thing is about all those puzzles that you mentioned, and there's quite a lot of them, some of them involved, you know, finding levers and winching things up and, um, you know, working out sequences of platforming to do. A lot of times you, you're accompanied by your uh, your dog, Walt, who um, is, you know, a, a puzzle mechanic in his own right, um, albeit a very lovable one in, mm. in the, you know, the increasing tradition of games with lovable sidekick dogs in. Mm. Um, but... The thing that kept me going was, um, as well as wanting to find out what happened to the characters who who I did, you know, I, I, I don't think I had, you know, like an enormous affection for them. I wasn't, you know, fretting about, you know, what would happen to them next. But I had some sense of, uh, of you know, because of the animation and the, and the music and everything, I, I felt somewhat connected. Um, but I found the puzzles actually really satisfying. I think, you know, in terms of if these were puzzles in any other puzzle platform game that weren't, that, you know, wasn't trying to tell such a difficult story about a horrible period of human history, I would have just thought, well, these are really, you know, if these were, these were puzzles from Limbo or Abe, an Abe game or something like that, which is what they might as well be from, um, then they, I, I think they were just the right, for me, they were the right level of difficulty. That is not very difficult. They were <laughs> quite easy by and large. Um, the only one I missed, the only one I ended up, because it's the game's got a built-in hint system, mm. which just uh, ticks over after time. You can open up more and more hints. The only time I ended up kind of spoiling a puzzle for myself was actually, I think, possibly the best puzzle, but I just wasn't prepared for, okay, maybe not the best, but perhaps the most... Um, the most crafty puzzle in the game is one where you have to uh, look at a flag through a window to work out the <laughs> yeah. combination to a safe. And I thought that was really clever, but I ended up spoiling it for myself because I was like, I don't know where I'm supposed to go next. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the designers would probably feel that that was a failure on their part because they hadn't directed this player well enough. But actually, I think it was a failure on my part because all the other puzzles have been solved in, in a certain way. Um, but, yeah, whether they involved... Um, Asking Walt to go on different parts of the the the, uh, the level to you, or mm. or whether they involved um, yeah simple classic platform manipulation, or it occasionally actually involves um, throwing dynamite off of angled surfaces and getting them to roll down. I just thought they were they were compelling puzzles. They were puzzles that I wanted to solve, felt like I could, and was always quite intrigued when the next one would come up because. I would think this, you know, the, 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 the several screen puzzle would be introduced to you. Sometimes it would be, you know, scrolling through several different areas, um, going up and down ladders, sometimes in and out the screen as well. Um, but it would always present itself. You, you know, you'd do one thing and then it would become logical what the next thing to do. And yeah, yeah for me, they were just well-designed puzzles that I enjoyed to do, which made my progress through the game never, uh, never too painful. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, they felt, which is part of the reason I said I could see this game working on a touchscreen device, they felt quite a bit like puzzles you would get in a point-and-click adventure, but streamlined so that you're never unsure what your what your your next your next aim is, I guess. Um, yeah. They're very modern in, in that regard, in that the game yeah. doesn't want you to be stuck. It's not like an old LucasArts game or no. even an early text adventure where 
you 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 picked up an object four hours ago and you're exactly. expected to know to yeah. combine it with something else. Everything's con- contained, isn't it? So yeah, in a in a logic sense and in a chronology sense, they they keep it fairly simplistic, which allows you to focus on it maybe multiple screens but you're never going to have to go to a different you know shuffle around to a different completely different area of the game and come back to get mm. something else you're kind of it's all fairly self-contained and fairly clear um i think the throwing the dynamite to land in the back of the tank i struggled with not because i didn't understand what it was trying to get me to do just i had trouble get with the timing of getting the dynamite to land right. in the back of the tank so yeah and that's one of the more abstract ones really because you've got to mm. recognize that you didn't just lift that crate up to yeah give you access to the yes the tank but you yeah. also need to use it as a as the the sort of surface from which to bounce the um the uh dynamite so yeah i had a bit of trouble with that one but not not because i didn't know what to do which is nice it's it's always relatively clear and as you say if you've walked around a little bit you you can kind of get if you're ever not sure you can become sure very very quickly just by walking around and exploring which does give these uh mid-sized environments i suppose sometimes smaller but um it it gives them a a nice sense of discovery as well because often you are walking around and seeing what's available to you and um you know you might need to get a piece of meat to distract a dog and his guard from a doorway but you've got to go into two or three other things before you get the meat but there's enough direction because you're always walking past and being reminded of what you need to ultimately get there's enough kind yeah. of um direction there and, and, you're and linearity you're going past little um vignettes of activity um yeah which yeah. are yeah. you know telling you the story of the situation you're in yeah. uh, at yeah. the time as well so it's not just a case of going you know into another empty building with a ladder in it with a you know there's some of that but generally as you transition between places there'll be characters and they'll they might speak to you or they might tell you you can't go this way and they'll you know have a funny animation to tell you that yeah. you can't go yeah. there and stuff like that so it keeps I, it keeps it lively i think at its best um you know, the ones that really stand out for me there's a level where you're escaping a prison um and to do that you you need you know favors from each you know, different characters within that prison and you know one person may need i don't know a bar of soap another person so he, he gives you something that would lead on to another person needing that item or it give you a key that unlocks an area that you can go to to receive an item to eventually i believe isn't it to get a uniform or oh, no to get the uh, the wire cutters it's a, mm. a big elaborate grand you know five six step puzzle to get to the final thing which is you can see at the very start is a set of wire cutters um i really like that because it was you know a, it felt very, um, you know, escape to victory or whatever it may be um, to, mm. to, you know, the context of the puzzle really made sense. So I engaged with it a lot more. Um, but I think, you know, conversely, at its worst, it, it, the stuff like Freddy taking down the, you know, his his, his manhunt of the Baron and taking him down uh, his, you know, his, his Zeppelin airship with... Wasn't it like an organ or something? Was you know hitting steam yeah. out the top of this thing and kind of yeah, that's a bit crazy. Yeah, that, that, that's very much like from a yeah sort of animated feature or something. I mean, the whole I think the whole uh, that that character, the sort of the the moustached Baron, is is a bit of a strange one. I, I'm not sure it fits. It's, it's like well, it's a they felt like they had to have, 
Yeah, they felt like they. I think they felt like they had to have a person personalized enemy rather than the enemy being yeah. the war or the entire forces of whoever you're playing against at that particular point. So they introduced this kind of yeah um, caricatured baddie. Um, yeah, and it's... yeah, that was a that was a misstep so, for me so as well. To me, then that it it didn't entirely work in those sections, and yeah. then I still get this just this feeling, and you know, it's just a personal one. I still feel like that they had a story that they wanted to tell, and then had to fit the gameplay around the story, and came across the puzzling system and how it fit within the presentation that they wanted, rather than the other way around that they had, you know. A, you know, there's these puzzles set in place and, and wanted to build a story around them. It feels a little bit bolted on to me and convenient of when they need to access certain stuff. It feels very much like the, the story is the driving force and you know, the puzzles are built around that rather conversely. So interesting question then. Um, now, I would say there's for all the fact that it's it's mainly a, a 2D game and, and I suppose if... If we were going to try to distill it, it would be, uh, you know, I suppose in the old days it would have been called an arcade adventure because because you you control a character and there are some action sequences, but mainly it's about finding the right item to to unlock the next door mm. effectively. Um, is this almost a game where because I, I've been one of the you know the you uh, play um, mm-hmm. uh, client that you can get on all, all the consoles. It's different mm-hmm. on every machine. You can do it on PC as well, and you. So it's it's Ubisoft's own sort of achievement system, and within that you can go into the client on uh, PlayStation, Xbox, Wii U, whatever, and unlock um, various uh, prizes for the game uh, or or other games that you've got. Um, so in this case, one of the game, one of the uh, prizes, or there are four of the prizes, I think, is are for uh, digital comics, basically based around the characters mm. of Valiant Hearts. Then also, if you go onto YouTube, there are there are vignettes and biopics of the characters, and all this makes me think. As much as I enjoyed the gameplay in 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 an abstract, mm. this is a video game that is well made, and I yeah. am enjoying the satisfying puzzles. Would Valiant Hearts actually been a better animated picture? You know, like just tell the mm. story and then and not have all this, all these kind of um, crowbarred in video game elements. You know, should should this even be a game? I I a hundred percent think that is the case. Um, that that doesn't take away that I enjoyed my time with this. But my summary of the game feels very much like this. This is a a piece of entertainment that's been fitted around game mechanics. Um, I don't necessarily think that's a negative thing. You know, just on its own, I, I, you know, that there is, you know, there's there's elements of that that actually do work. Um, but like, yeah, it does feel a little bit retrofitted around that. I'd, I'd say that the problem with that is that even the some of the aspects of the story are a little bit padded out. And I, I guess that's maybe because this is going to be the five, six, eight hour gameplay experience, whatever it may mm. be. Um, and I think, yeah, if, if it had a, a 70, 80 minute running time, a, a lot of these character strands probably would have been, you know, either developed a bit more or condensed a bit more. And maybe the Baron would have been not quite there. I don't know. I, mean, I feel like James is the most um, infused about how this game turned out. So yeah, feel free <laughs> to to interject. Um, it, it's a really strange one because I understand what you say. Um, my my thought wasn't actually this would be a great animated feature. My thought was 
this is a this is a book. This is a right a fiction novel, but based on fact, something like Atonement or something like that. You know, that well, a graphic kind novel of a, a, in that style, like you know, book, mouse no, or no, an actual just novel. Oh, okay. Um, in terms of the story, um, and then I started thinking, well, why is this a game then? Um, yeah. I think you're. I think. I think you're right. That that most of the gameplay sections actually sit somewhat outside of the story, um, and and for the amount that with most people, I think it's fair to say that there is a, a tonal issue between some of the sections of gameplay and and the boss fights with the Baron. The only thing I can think of because the the directors actually said they wanted the antagonist to be war itself. Well, yes, you should not not even um, you know you were saying Leon that depending upon which character you're playing sure, the other yeah. side should be the enemy well actually they they seem to go out of their way to say the, the Germans aren't the quote unquote bad guys yeah, here the French aren't the yeah. bad guys if you're playing yeah. as Carl or whatever um, the situation is and there are a couple of characters the, the French commanding officer at the end clearly representative of people who probably for good reasons did really horrific things Um and and the Baron and, and to to put someone like the Baron in as what is clearly an antagonist, presumably representative of factions of the the German army who started again doing horrific things, yeah, it just it takes away from the message that war is the bad thing because you don't see the Baron as a real person. Uh, Wait, who, isn't he? Who he's was he's a typical to do any of this stuff. He's then at that point the typical pitfall of what. You know, a character can be like that. It, it's just, yeah. you know, it's a caricature of yeah. of a, a German commander. Where I really like that that section in the trenches where he, you are being forced into, you know, essentially running to your death. He's just, it, it's just a meat grinder of people. Yeah, and that he comes across as a far more, I would say, heinous from the the very, you know, mm-hmm. easy easy view look, but also a real complex character because what has led him to clearly just send these yeah, people to yeah. death you know war maybe has consumed him doesn't even understand his, his actions yeah, yeah all that stuff you know and he's he's a tiny bit part character he's far and more he's complex as well really because you don't find yeah. out anything about him personally he's just um, representative I mean, it, of. it's a character that ultimately leads to um yeah oh no which one <laughs> is it emil emil's death uh yeah yeah well yeah, em- emil snaps and and, and decides yeah, kills, to, to I mean, this is the climax of the story mm. um, yeah. is, is that uh, Emil is, uh, cannot stand to see or, or to be, uh, to see any more of his comrades or to be sent out once more to, into to the firing line. To, yeah, what's so he, on, yeah. he, 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 he attempts to uh, incapacitate the commanding officer, but um, he hits him too hard and he dies for which he is sentenced to death, which again, yeah. you know, is, yeah. is, uh, was accurate in the but, sense um, that, that but that to happened. go back into the you know the questions you know i think that is more powerful as a gameplay experience you, i've seen plenty of stuff yeah, that's exactly similar, what to I was that, say, yeah. similar to on the screen um having performed that action and feeling almost good about it like no that was the right decision obviously the outcome yeah. is that it would lead to ultimately you know the death of the character um but even that you're like well i can see why a court martial hearing would eventually have to side on that you couldn't have people <laughs> essentially killing commanders on the yeah, battlefield yeah, yeah. for for whatever yeah. reason um there is that structure there so 
but once again, it's there we go. That that is a complex um, way of dealing with a character under extreme stress. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, to be honest, I'd love to see more of that being tackled within within the game. And it yeah. feels at times slightly lightweight. Um, and I'm I'm not sure why, it, but it, it is. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly the thing I was going to say, Tony. Was that that sequence where you are marching through ever increasingly um, more bodies of your your friends and fellow um, soldiers and countrymen in the case of Emil. Um, and then the fact that you have to walk him to the post where he is, basically his life has ended. Um, that all, for me, the fact that it was interactive, the fact that it was mm-hmm. the, a, a game, or we could just say interactive, I guess, overall, made it more powerful than than I think I think it it would have still been a shocking ending to an animated feature or to a, a novelization a no, you know that story because w- what is actually happening is shocking but the fact that this was a character who you knew had been a a good man throughout mm-hmm. everything you'd seen him do everything you'd you'd played of this character and including as you say that choice was a choice made to save lives and for him to ultimately pay that price was and a, and a yeah it was significant a, a choice that he's been you know carrying out throughout the games as much as yeah. i may belittle a, a pipe um mini game um you know it, it is to protect fellow troops that are, are running into yeah. the massive gas attacks so he's a good he is a good man all the way throughout this game saved hundreds of lives and there you have a, a commanding officer that is basically killing hundreds of lives. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it makes the the ending of the game you know, ever more poignant because of that, because you know the character mm. that's going there. And the emotions yeah. were, that were going through me at the very end is, it, it's always the way, isn't it? You, you look at the, the documents many years later of any a lot of these events, and you look at the, the man behind that was shot on the post, and, and the easy outcome is, well, he killed a commanding officer. What a traitor to his country. And yet you look deeper and sometimes you read these facts about what they actually achieve for the country and they are anything but that person. Um, And my my initial thought was, you know, although he's at peace with himself that he did the right thing and that, you know, hopes his family understands his actions, like the the greater meme is that a lot of people will see that and, you know, look at, oh, Emil, that person that was court-martialed and and shot at the state for, you know, basically... um, yeah, you disgrace. Know, put into disgrace a nameless grave. His, uh, well, it, although they showed the grave with his name on, but but his country, potentially yeah, would have been. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I mean, super strong ending, uh, and I and I do feel yeah. the game it does ratchet up. Certainly, the last two chapters of the game, I think, refocuses it. I think everything comes mm. back into play. The characters, the threads, start to actually you know make sense, and yeah. it is a, a strong finish to the game. I definitely think there's uh, there's something in. The, the, this idea uh, and, and I'm sure almost anyone listening to this podcast who you know the vast majority of which will be uh, people who play video games um, would agree that there can be something more profound and impactful about having had some kind of agency in a story so mm. obviously you know when I was asking the question about would this have been you know a, a better served as uh, an animated feature I was partly mm. just putting it out there yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but actually 
yeah, the, you would miss out stuff like that. So what I'm wondering is, you know, thinking about moments like that, the way you were talking about that that moment, that walk, James, and, and yeah, some yeah, of our yeah. correspondents are going to mention it too, reminded me a bit of people talking about certain um, scenes in The Walking Dead, particularly season one, Telltale's mm-hmm. Walking Dead this is. And again, I'm wondering if rather than oh, right at the start of uh, The Walking Dead and, and a few times throughout, there were you know, odd bits of um, contextual puzzles and find the item and give the item to the right mm. person. But increasingly, as that story went on, it became more about the interaction between characters. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what that what that game didn't have was um, particularly just kind of sudden arbitrary, um, you know, puzzles where you're fixing a circuit breaker and you have to, you know, put wires together and stuff like that like so many other adventure games and you can completely understand why they have them in there and they can be they can be a lot of fun in the right context but again maybe it just comes back to in when you're trying to tell a really profound story about something very real and and very you know just deeply unpleasant and unfortunate that maybe maybe uh you know um cute cute bits and 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 very gamey puzzly bits aren't necessarily the the most or you know sort of the most um appropriate way to tell it but then again i'm i'm sort of countermanding my own brain as i go along here <laughs> um this game is a peggy 12 um but obviously yeah. you know people younger than that will play it um is it actually just the most fantastic educational tool to have a video game that even in even if it doesn't do it everything you know completely successfully this is is this like the oregon trail of it, kind of modern games it's, because it's an educational yeah. thing as much as it is a video game this question has actually percolated in my mind a hell of a lot recently i i have two young daughters mm. um yeah they're not quite there of of gameplay stuff yet so i it's not something i have had to worry about we've played the odd bit of skylanders etc which are you know very child appropriate but i have got thinking long and hard about how to you know how to use games as a, an educational tool i think it's a, a really important step of the medium and, and one that is fascinating you know from having children i've seen that they you know very much learn through um tactile um things be it through you know uh, a medium such as you know games or watching tv um you know i could i've never been one of these people who said oh yeah, yeah tv has a massive influence on children until you have your own in which case you see them reenact everything that they see uh, be it in <laughs> real life or or be it through you know another medium so you know i think there is there is certainly an, an argument to say well you know this would be a very good educational tool you know fun you need a little bit of fun to keep people maybe engaged and maybe the horrors of world war one told as straight laces as it yeah, is just drive people would be, away especially would, youngsters. yeah it would you know would drive people away so yeah i think that is is very much is and i'm gonna re-bring this up um i think we got a uh a, we, we have got a, a thomas's loan recording coming up um and a lot of my opinions about that game are fundamentally based around um how that could be easily used as an educational tool hmm. um so yeah I, I think you are right leon um whether whether that means that it's its prime reasons for existence, I'm not sure, but I can certainly see it being an engaging tool if people were willing to use it. I, I, yeah, I don't necessarily, well, I've no idea whether that was intentional to, to make the gameplay more straightforward, maybe more um, accessible and 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 unfortunately less relevant to what was 
what was going on in terms of story and and setting. Um, but I, I would love to see, uh, say, a 12-year-old who has just started getting sort of uh, targeted history lessons at mm -hmm. high school as opposed to just you know, bits and pieces in primary school modules mm. here and there, but actual targeted history lessons. And someone who's maybe got, you know, a 12-year-old who's got an, a, an interest in history but doesn't really know how to go about exercising that interest when faced with, say, documentaries or books that can be um, dry and and difficult to, to access in that way. Um, I, I'd love to see how how that particular child would would respond to something like this um because i think the characters are very easy for for I, people I, to understand and 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 easy to relate to in that way and i think the the way that it plays with the fact that there is no quote unquote bad or not supposed to be any bad guy all the characters you're playing despite being on different sides of the war from different places um are very relatable in that way, I think. And it does play with the the kind of way that war can be seen as, oh, well, it's written by the victors and the other people were the bad guys. You know, it, it plays with that mm. and tells a personal story and shows how maybe it's important to look at the details and build the picture up from those rather than just look at the overall headline as delivered by, you know, news companies or history books or even a teacher potentially, you know, a, a different way to explore that themselves without needing to uh, to wade through someone else's perspective. Did either of you guys focus on getting the collectibles? Didn't focus on it. Did it when I saw them? Yeah, not, uh, not, not I must admit, the first chapter or the first segments of the first chapter, I just didn't even notice them because they're not very um, apparent. But then I started to notice them. So I went back to the first uh, segment and went, oh, yeah, actually, there were there were three or four things just lying around. Um, but I collected them because uh, as much as anything, uh, this was the next thing I was going to talk about, actually, Tony, was... Um, there's quite a lot of the engagement with the subject matter you have to uh, make the choice to do. So you can mm -hmm. just play through the game and you wouldn't really know, you know, you, you could pick up a lot from, from the visuals and, and, and the, and the occasional bit of narration, but actually the diaries um, of the characters give a lot more insight into what they are feeling, what they are doing. Then there's the, uh, the, the, the photographs and the information from the historical, um, magazine or whatever it is and mm. then you've got the collectibles as well which are all mm. um items from the world back you know 100 years ago um and yeah it, it, again if you if you take the time to look into that stuff it i mean you know some of it we know we're older than some of the people who will play this and have probably just picked up some of this information along the way read things watched films you know whatever but yeah there was some you know there are some nuggets in there, and it and it does bring a lot of yeah, um, flavor. I um I, I think there's 120 something collectibles. I I went and got them all primarily actually because it was did. an achievement. Achievement, a, yes. A, attached, <laughs> a, you know, you've but, reduced uh, the, the world, world, first world war to an achievement. Well, well but done, once again, yeah, I, <laughs> pushing you towards you know doing auxiliary stuff within games, and and I actually do feel like the collectible. And the information presented by the collectibles are actually key, a key element of why there is there's parts of this game that will actually stick with me beyond you know some of the gameplay and beyond some of the story sections. It's it's like um one of the collectibles was talking about the genesis of 
um, dog tags. You know, I, yeah, I yeah, I would have thought that mm. maybe I'd I'd picked I I would have guessed the reasons how they came into existence, mm. but I hadn't realised it was World War One where they were introduced, and it was purely mm. down to the you know the body count, just not knowing who these people were on the battlefield. Yeah. So they introduced a dog tag. Yeah, spot. Here's a here's a nugget of information that you can take with you, but they only gave every soldier one dog tag, which they ripped off their body to send the letters back saying, unfortunately, they died in combat. Which also led a bunch of soldiers to have obviously unidentified graves because they didn't know who they were burying, even though dog tags were introduced. Hence, the introduction of two, you know, yeah. a couple of years later of two dog tags. Um, now, I, I'll take that from that piece from the game. I'll take that information from there, and as an educational thing. Yeah, it certainly did work because I'm a grown man. I didn't know the fact, and now I know the fact, and I will pass it along to to a generation that is coming through. Um, so I feel like that stuff is is important. I've heard people saying it, it actually took them out of the game because it's kind of you know coll- collecting stuff outside the main storyline and also going into an auxiliary screen, which is mm. you know taking you out the experience. Yeah, I I found myself you know although I was collecting them for an achievement, but it was one of those ones I was I, w- I was actually glad they were there. I, I felt like it added a, a gravitas to the story more so than some of the actual story elements themselves. Um, and I think they were, you know, a, if you wanted, they, were, they added more puzzles. Um, you had to go out your way to get some of the stuff. And I, and I kind of wish that maybe there was just a bit more of that stuff pergolating around the world without you having to necessarily engage in, and collect collectibles. Every level there is, I think if you, you press on the Xbox version, you press the Y button and it gives you a brief rundown of the area you're in um, and you know maybe what stage of the conflict or era was going on then. And you know, once again, some really interesting text to, to peruse and give context where the game maybe fails at a time of not um, supplying that. So uh, one aspect we've only touched upon briefly is is the music. Um, it's it's an odd one because um, it's all provided um, according to the credits by uh, APM Music, which is a it's a it's a sort of conglomerate or uh, of composers, but it's also a library of uh, existing tunes. So I don't think um, I don't it, they don't actually credit. Or uh, you know, if if whether the say the the main theme that you hear quite a lot was composed specifically for this game, or whether it was something that existed in APM Music's library, I don't know. I don't quite hmm. understand that. Did either of you get a handle on that at all? I'm, no. I'm I'm familiar with music being delivered in that way, and the idea yeah. is that as as an artist, if you submit your music to that um, particular service, in this yes. case APM. In some cases, you forego the right to be credited. Yeah. Um, you you may either be paid for that piece of music just up front or de- obviously depending upon the service or you're paid um, a fee every time it's used, etc. Um, depending, so, some of them are subscription services for users so you don't have to pay royalties thereafter, etc. Um, the idea is to simplify it and give good audio banks and music banks for people to, to use who, who yeah. need it. It seems odd for a company like Ubisoft to not be able to credit the musician. I uh, think it's probably a, it was probably a cheaper way of doing it. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, actually, you know, APM music uh, has, has a lot of um, very famous contributors to it, um, oh, yeah, including yeah. Harry Gregson Williams, for instance, who, mm. who we'll know from his work on Metal Gear Solid games. But um 
yeah, I assume it's a budgetary thing, or maybe they just yeah. felt that the the music they they found when they were researching was you know was as good as any, even if it wasn't by a name composer, and they didn't want to pay the fee to have one composer come on board. I don't know. I don't yeah, know the sure. reasons yeah, for yeah. it. I mean, no. I think my 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 experience of the music was that um, I think again, I think it just about it kept on the right line of being um overly sentimental and and uh, and glorifying the conflict i think it was it was intimate enough most of it's most of the stuff they've chosen is piano uh led um and it's it's just it it sounds like it's from uh you know one of those um films that has sort of intimate tinkly piano music um it's not as sort of uh grand as as something like a john williams score as, as yeah, a, yeah. For, for saving private ryan or something where it's all very you know it's kind of very obvious and in your face um most of all mostly i found it it worked but it it wasn't it didn't you know it didn't absolutely it didn't move me to tears or anything i, I tend to agree it's it's music that fitted but i could certainly see that maybe whoever um was in charge of music for the project, just happened to know that there was a a suite of appropriate music they could pull from a service like this and and fitted. Yeah. It didn't it didn't necessarily feel like let's just get some placeholder music in here and see how it fits and then mm. get someone in to come and do their version of what we picked, which would be a, a completely acceptable way to use a service like this. Yeah. You, you could pull music in just to see how it flows, what sort of music you need, and then just get to the point where you say, oh, let's just leave this music in. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, it'll do. It didn't necessarily feel as arbitrarily no, no, chosen no. or anything like that. I think it, yeah. but um, I mean, the music that, sta- that stood out for me, obviously, was the music from the driving sections, the, because those are <laughs> recognisable pieces of music, and yeah. and they were tied into the gameplay more, obviously. Um and and the rest didn't. I seem to say this way too often. I apologize. D- didn't stand out for being offensive or for being spectacular either. Fair enough, Tony. Any feelings about the? I, I would hundred. I'd, I'd agree. I'd agree with James. Um, nothing particularly jumped out at me, but I think it was atmospheric and where it needed to be. Um, the end. Yeah, it's it's poignant, and I think the music helps that. But like you say, it's I've always been a quite a sucker for piano music, mm, cool. so um, mm. yeah, it, it it wasn't spectacular, but yeah, it was atmospheric enough. Mm. All right, let's hear now before we summarise from uh, several of our community contributors who all posted on this occasion at canarince.com slash forum. No emails this week, but you can always email about upcoming games that you've played and you'd like to share your experiences and opinions of. Uh, that Those go to podcast at canarince.com. Now let's hear from Follow My Ruin, who says, I wonder why they chose to interject some really harrowing subject matter with comedy. I don't find it so much jarring or insensitive, as a bit of a waste of opportunity. I found the finished product to be similar to an educational game you'd find in a school, like a vehicle for imparting information and scratching the surface of some historically formative human interactions so as to be sensitive to children. It seems cruel to talk about a game like this, but I can't help but look at the game from the perspective of what skills, subject matter and equipment they were working with when they imagined it. You've got this stunning stylized art style, liquid smooth animations and interesting dialogue light delivery from the characters themselves. It could have been a really impressive, if not challenging way to bring a player in and create an unforgettable emotional interpretation of the Great War. 
The potential was there to impart and elicit more of a sense of the war, as well as historical knowledge, all delivered through the art, the music and gameplay direction. Admittedly, I have no doubt this would have not made for a better game, especially from a puzzle platformer. Equally, I'm pretty sure that it wouldn't help sales. Perhaps what I'm looking for is a film, but surely gaming is the type of medium in which you can challenge the interaction between humans and history better than they did here. Ultimately, I know that I picked up the game to try and support more UbiArt framework projects and games covering this type of subject matter, but I can't shake the feeling that I liked it when I wanted to love it. Thanks, follow my ruin. I feel echoing some of the sentiments we've already expressed. Just use my yeah. summary. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. Just, just read it out again. Uh, Baron Phil... Baron Von Phil, he says, uh, <laughs> I was greatly looking forward to Valiant Hearts after seeing the trailer at E3. The art style really grabbed me, and especially as I had recently played Child of Light, I wanted more like that. It didn't disappoint visually, and the music was also so good I bought the soundtrack, not long after. I really enjoyed the story it told, and the main characters especially, as World War I was a setting I don't think I'd even visited in a game. There were a few missteps, however. Escaping Paris and dodging bombs to the sound of the can-can, although a fun moment, moment to play, the music and gameplay didn't really match the situation and the moustache-twirling villain that really didn't need to be there. One thing I really loved was the prompt you got when entering a new area to open a menu with a load of information about the actual events and locations of World War I. I was fascinated by this and honestly felt I learned more about World War I during this game than I had at any other time in my life. The more I think about it, the more I realise how odd Valiant Hearts is. I really enjoyed every moment I spent with it, but at the same time learning just how horrific World War One was and the sheer amount of losses on all sides really was sobering throughout. I would highly recommend Valiant Hearts to anyone who hasn't played it. Thanks, Baron. Next up we have Baker's 12, who says... From the beginning, I really liked the European comic art style that reminded me of Tintin and Asterix. The historical content, which does not go into deep detail, but does a good job in conveying events and how it affected the people involved. The puzzles are quite easy and well implemented, but this is understandable. It seems the maker's aim was to teach the player about the events and barring content would hamper that. Saying that, there were a couple of bits that had instant deaths that did give me a bit of trouble and I thought that it was a bit unforgiving, only to then realise that this was probably intended to show the players the reality of war through the gameplay. There was only one thing that I didn't like in the game, that was the narrator. I felt sounded too much like a bad documentary voiceover. <laughs> I think when the game has a very European feel, a European voiceover would have worked better. I recommend this to anyone with an interest in history or to play through with a child who would learn much from this. Thank you. Next up is Chopper. I thought Valiant Hearts was excellent. It was a bit of a mishmash of styles, puzzle platformer, the dodging scenes, the historical notes overlaid, and this was matched by wild swings in tone from the fights with the pantomime villain to the pathos of the characters' situations via the horrors of war. It was really bursting with life, I thought. I enjoyed it all. As far as deeper meanings and the contemplation of war go, I thought it was interesting in that it was able to convey contradictory feelings simultaneously. For example, the sacrifice of soldiers is lauded at a couple of points, while the game also highlights the immense willful stupidity of the leadership and a huge waste of life. It's difficult to get into that without writing hundreds of words, but I think the game managed to deal with it all amazingly well. It's not just black and white, there's a fair bit of ambiguity, particularly at the end, and the game treats its subject really well, even with all the knockabout stuff. <laughs> 
and that ending, fantastic. Thank you, Chopper. A new contributor as well is Loki. I think, or it might be Loki. <laughs> what were they smoking over at Ubisoft when they came up with this game? Because they need to smoke more of it. I was recommended this game from a friend and conveniently enough it popped up on PS Plus a week or so later. I'd only heard about the game and seen promotional images, nothing in-game, and had little to no grasp on what kind of game it was. Downloaded it one evening and set about playing it with my girlfriend and we were instantly hooked. The game is a work of art, quite literally down to every fibre of its being. The graphics are simple yet brilliant and invoke the feeling of watching a puppet show of sorts, albeit with more explosions. It's chock full of historical facts and trivia for the curious player, but doesn't slow down the one who just wants to experience the story with needless walls of text. Last but not least, the soundtrack is simply amazing. The hauntingly beautiful tunes of the main menu theme still choke me up a bit when I hear them. I've played a myriad of games that I've since forgotten, often before I'd even moved on to the next. This will not be one of them. A worthy homage to the sacrifices made for all the wrong reasons in one of the most horrific tragedies of our history. Lovely stuff. Thank you very much for those contributions. Yeah. Glad to hear a couple of people were more um, moved by the soundtrack than, than it seems that we were. Mm, uh, yeah. Which, you know, I mean, that's that's the way it goes. And that's that's music for you. Nature of the Beast, yeah. All right. Uh, we also had quite a few three-word reviews for this game. I guess it's recent. A lot of people played it through, so that's fantastic. Thank you. Look out for the uh, shout-out for three-word reviews normally on the day of recording on our Twitter account. That's at Kane and Rince, of course. Uh, yeah, so ADKM1979 says, Great, made average. Shadow says, Fantastic, utterly frustrating. Nathan Jewett, Ubisoft, Hope Revived. Alex George, Quaint, informative, simplistic. Stuart Cullen says, War never changes. Alabaster, Mage. Yep. Love that dog. James Phyllis or Phyllis? Phyllis, I think. Phyllis, probably. James Phyllis. Love that dog. Yeah, we had to include both because uh, <laughs> yeah. there, there, there was a sentiment that was oft expressed. Uh, yeah, I like Walt. I, I, I did. You know, I'm a sucker. I'm a, like, aren't we all a sucker? Really? They also yeah. didn't. Uh, so, I, you know, I thought they, they could have lent on that crutches, you know, the emotional blackmail yeah. of killing a dog or something like that. And they didn't. No, I think he was actually you think classy used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one point where you think it's all gone horribly wrong for uh, for Walt, but, it, but he's, he's all right. And, and as it turns out, they, they probably didn't need the emotional crutch with the way that they chose to have the game end anyway. But, um, yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, ben Naylor says, organ pipe carnage. <laughs> <laughs> Pytrick, Ubi art win. Chris Jellyman, entertaining yet sobering. Gypsy Muffin says, brilliant game, emotional. Bill Bennett, truly moving story. Simon Liggett, war is futile. Adam Parry says, that last walk. Yeah. Hands in the jam, lest we forget. Yeah, thank you very much, everybody. Yeah. Tremendous three-word excellent, reviews. There. Excellent three-word reviews. Yeah. Now, let's see if we can sum up. Um, well, yeah, I won't say anything. I'll just say over to you, Tony. Uh, Re-listen to Follow My Ruins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I... 
this is a difficult one for me because um, I think there's many many elements of this game that could have been um, better implemented. I, I think the puzzle system is is perfectly adequate, but doesn't quite um, deal with the subject matter that it, it's it's trying to portray. I think the story is at times beautifully handled and at other times slightly misplaced. Um, I think we didn't really talk about this, but um, throughout the game, I think there's a lot of contrivances to get the characters back together. I was going um, to mention that myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's thanks for it's nicking an, a bit of my summary. I'm sorry. It's just, well, we can talk about it now because I think it's important. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's an odd one. I know it's not a summary, but it is, it's an odd Ex, one because Ex machina moments, uh, suddenly yeah. a car comes over the hill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, and it takes a little of, um, I'd say the yeah the realism of the story away because you know they do happenstance come across Quite each agreed. other miles yeah. apart many <sighs> many times and it feels like the game is maybe a little bit padded with its story that it's like I say very ends extremely strongly um, but I feel like maybe the game story is a little bit padded um, at at the forefront of it which is odd as it's quite a short game in itself um, I think it's a beautiful looking game. Um, and I th- I think the the problem that maybe comes from it I think the weight of the subject is heavier than I think any one of those elements quite lives up to, and I I think maybe the the, the game is a, a good game you should you should definitely play it. At the same time, I can't help but come off it a little bit disappointed that maybe they didn't tackle it more head-on. Um, I understand the weight of the of the World War One is a very, very heavy, heavy subject, and that maybe they could come off as crass at sometimes, um, and maybe they would limit the audience that would have picked it up, and maybe both those things are a bad thing. Um, I do think this medium is a medium that can tell that story. I just don't think Ubisoft knocked it out of the park i think they had a good go and i'm so so happy that this game exists very glad that i got to play it and talk about it on the show but i can't help but feel there was elements that i would have dearly loved to have been in there to make it a special game rather than an interesting game thank you tony uh i can't really i don't really want to argue with any of that um i I feel very much the same way i i found it a very likable experience i'm not sure that's that it it should have been (laughs) um you know i enjoyed spending time with the characters i enjoyed being in the world i enjoyed playing the puzzles even though i agree with with the fact that they feel horribly juxtaposed juxtaposed at times against the backdrop of of world war one but like you, Tony, I think it's uh, it's terrific that this game and games like it, not that there are exactly mm-hmm. others exactly like it, exist because uh, it can operate on on a number of levels. It works as a as a as a a pristine and, and impeccably put together uh, video game, just purely as a as a mechanical experience. Like you know, it's not a game that will uh, you know blow you away in in any way. But like I was never, I never found it. Uh, you know, even even though that a few people mentioned that there are a few instant death scenarios, and there are there are there are a couple of sequences that can end rather abruptly. abruptly but the checkpoints are incredibly. There's no frequent. punishment. It's fine. There's virtually no punishment. Um, yeah, I enjoy. I th- I think like the you know the the me- the mechanics of of the uh, 
the interaction with the characters were were perfectly uh, implemented the the actual design of the puzzles was were well th- thought through and satisfying even the more actiony sequences uh, worked perfectly well um but yeah overall i felt that the actual apart from in the um you know the the photo history doc stuff that you have to go into the menus for i felt the 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 horror of the war was undersold if anything and um and it was like ubisoft were conflicted between telling this um this story of of this family um and really tr- actually driving home the the true nature of, of world war one. And, and as Tony said, yeah, there, there were a lot of moments where rather than emphasizing how far apart and how torn asunder everything was and the, the lives of these people and the experiences, in fact, it became a bit cozy at times. They were a bit, you know, like, Oh, here, here comes, you know, here comes this person to rescue the day uh, again. And, um, and, you know, ultimately, obviously there is one awful, you know, sacrifice that, that Emil makes, um, because you know circumstance in the end you know he took he took a bad decision but that was based on other people's poor decisions and and so there is a sad ending but actually it's it's bittersweet because there's a lot of happiness in the ending as well and you know maybe maybe that's all right in some ways but um but i think it undersells the grimness of the subject matter in it, some ways yeah it's it's interesting i think the stats are 17 million people died in that war yeah i'm i'm not sure how you how you get that across uh, one fact i and i i know i missed this and i just want to use the the opportunity to do so mm. there's one fact that really jumped out at me beyond the the, the tags which is 82 percent of the people that were killed or wounded in world war one was down to shrapnel mm. it was a, a a war of experimental new technologies which were utterly devastating um and not in a nice way. There, there's one fact there where they they talked about, you know, early planes would fly over the top and drop nails down, yeah, basically big bolts, which would, you know, nine times out of ten, not kill people instantaneously. They would just rip through parts of their bodies. Yeah, how do you portray that in a game? I'm I'm not sure, and I'm not sure. Ubisoft, soft, we're sure. Um, and I think that's why there's some uh, you know some fairly mixed messaging that comes out of that game. Mm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the yeah, the First World War brought in a lot of uh, a lot in, a lot of technology. It was the, the it was the the First World War was chiefly responsible for how you know how our planes are today because mm-hmm. that, it created the need for them. But they were literally dropping bricks on each other uh, out of planes at the start of the First World War. Um, and yeah, obviously, the tank you get to you get to play in a tank. Um, the, you know, the real things went at like four miles an hour, but <laughs> in the game they feel rather rather nippier than that. Um, it talks about the Battle of Somme, etc. Yeah, mm. um, and you know all that's. Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm not claiming I'm a, any sort of historian. I've. I've. I know a couple of uh, historians, and um, they've. You know, people who have studied the First World War. Even just studying that war in detail um, can leave you a little bit traumatized because if you actually, you know, go into the real, uh, the real serious history books. And this game won't do that to you. And, and maybe in some ways that's a good thing. But. Um, mm. But it does get a message across. It tells a nice story. It does look beautiful and it does play well. Um, and I think it is worth experiencing. But it's, yeah, it perhaps fell short of its grand aims and certainly didn't quite give me the emotional, the full-blown emotional experience I wanted from it. But uh, absolutely no regrets for having played it, especially as I didn't pay any money for it. Thank you, PlayStation Plus. Uh, James, to conclude, please. I think largely... Uh, 
my opinion is not that different from the opinion of 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 yourselves. It, this game has a feeling of that kind of double fine, you know, Fortnite game jam week where they all come up with ideas and just brainstorm and and you know one or two will be cherry picked and will become the new games. In that, this feels like a very uh, the central idea was to take a very personal story from a war that we all know of but don't necessarily understand all that well being generations removed and and to make it a game and then it, it does have a feeling of maybe the the gameplay and how it was going to work and how the story would be presented being worked out after the fact the idea was there but it you know it, it needed a lot of work and in some ways it was a case of taking the simpler route rather than necessarily the the ideal route to getting this game made. And maybe that was the, just the case of this is the only way that game gets made. Um, I think of something like stacking in the way that that represents um, a, a particular era and a particular time, uh, in that case in, in um, Russian, communist Russian um, hmm. political uh, landscape. Um but that really went for it in terms of the aesthetic and the way it was all going to play. It was more allegorical than a direct, you know, telling of. And and you think of, you know, Chaplin-esque farcical comedy. If if this game had gone full on for that, maybe the tonal difference wouldn't have been there or um, something like a, a full-on satire like Dr. Strangelove, which has, um, you know, ridiculousness at its core. Mm. And they didn't go for that with this, but they did want the levity there. And so it does feel caught between two posts, unfortunately. Um, but what I always come back to, and, and I will always apologise for doing this, but I'm not going to stop doing it, is I will always give the benefit of the doubt and have an awful lot of respect to game developers and games that do something different, either in their setting, in the story they're trying to tell, or in the gameplay. In this case, I don't think the gameplay does do much different from other things I've played before. But I will give a lot of um, a lot of credit to a team who take a setting we don't see much of, do something that doesn't rely on. Um, violent gameplay in terms of being a shooter or, or you know, actually the characters you're playing as engaging in, in violence pretty much at all. Um, Just the odd bit of dynamite. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not directed against people. It feel, no, you're, uh, yeah, you're okay, absolutely fair, right. Fair point, but yeah. No, no, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I was being slightly facetious. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, it... I feel that there there is a lot of credit to be given to Ubisoft for putting this forward and Ubisoft Montpellier for developing the game. And and maybe that's unfair. Maybe I shouldn't hold, say, if this had been a Second World War shooter, maybe I shouldn't hold it to ridiculously high standards. But when you've played so many of them previously and seen the good and the bad that they've done, you kind of expect the people making those types of games to to be making them because they think they can better them. Whereas in this case... There's not really much to try and better. This is kind of unique in in several key ways, um, and for that, I I can't help but have immensely positive feelings towards this. It this the end of the story floored 
me. Not because it was a massive surprise, because it felt right by the end. There wasn't a twist really there or anything. Mm. Um, but the reason I said it felt like a book is books do that. They suck you in and they lead you down the path and then they show you the logical ending to all this and you still feel shocked by that because it hits you hard and, you know, in the heart, in the chest. It does. It's, it wins you in that way. And this game did that to me. And I was amazed by, by that for the flaws it has, that it, it could do that to me by the end. Um, just left me stunned. Brilliant. Thank you very much. So Valiant Hearts, The Great War. Uh, if you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber and you haven't played it, uh, well, now you know the ending. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd say it's probably worth setting aside a couple of evenings for yeah. as, as our consensus, if nothing else. So that's it for this one. It just remains for me, Leon, to thank James and Tony and to tell you that next time in issue 187, we spend several terms at the School of Hard Knocks in our bully issue. <laughs>